0: And the the thing that I always think is like if some of these older weights could tell the story of their history, how neat would that be to hear?
1: Yeah, where they been? Who's lifted them? How did they get some? Some look better than others. Like what happened? What 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 did that person use them for? What were they doing? Because at, at certain times, the earlier weights, what what are they using for? Were they just uh, on some kind of farm equipment? Were they actually lifting them? Like what was going on?
0: Welcome to the Shaw String Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Shaw. And today, I am joined by my good friend, Joel Dirks. And Joel is a former strongman, kind of a grip expert. Can we use grip expert? That's what we've been using, so we'll keep it. Okay, so so grip expert. I don't know if I'm going to quite give you that one yet, but, you know, I mean, you're you're close. You're close up there. And we'll talk more about that, but uh, it's great to have you in, man. How you doing?
1: Very good, man. It's always good to come out here and hit some of this different stuff with you that I don't get to see and get pushed on things. I don't normally get pushed on.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, you, so you've been out here, you were out here for the Shaw classic weekend, which was fun. Joel actually did a lot of the behind the scenes work, mainly for the grip events that we, that we put on. And so, uh, Joel was instrumental in, I guess, kind of facilitating that really. I mean, we talked about it. I said, Hey, I got this idea, but, I don't really have the bandwidth to do too much on that front. So what should we do? And we came up with a dumbbell idea to get the series of dumbbells, which was pretty cool. And then the blob the blob series, which was also pretty cool, but we had to piece together the entire blob series because I only had up to the hundred, yep. and then I had the 130, 145, and 150, half of each one of those. So we needed to find the 105, 110 115, 120, 125. And 135 one thirty-five and one
1: forty. Yeah, the one thirty-five was the toughest for us. It
0: was, yeah, yeah. But you were putting stuff out, and luckily you had enough connections with people that we could we were able to piece that together. But it, it was fun, man. It was fun. It,
1: it's almost like treasure hunt, you know, because you're looking for something so rare, and then to find it is so rewarding.
0: It's it's crazy with all that grip stuff, and we'll we'll talk we'll talk a lot about that, and and you know, kind of that that world more. But uh, let's let's jump in quickly with your kind of backstory just so people get a a sense of you know who you are where you came from that type of thing
1: sure so uh i'm i'm 40 so i'm just a year younger than you uh we started strongman about the same time uh prior to all that you know played high school sports uh college did football and track i would say i probably excelled more in track and field you did that in college
0: football and track
1: football and track yeah so i was at at the division two level um so i was able to do both and
0: uh what position in football?
1: A defensive, like tackle, defensive nose guard between the two.
0: Okay. Yep. And then how about track?
1: So then it's shot put and discus. And I, I excelled more at the shot put than the discus, but I was also, for that level, I was decent at the discus as well.
0: I mean, that's pretty good, man. At, the, at that type of level to be able to do two sports mm-hmm. is pretty crazy.
1: And that's what's cool about that level is it allows, unless you're like the elite of the elite, most colleges aren't going to let you do two sports, especially because track and field is technically two sports in itself. You have indoor track and outdoor track. So you're full year round, and then outdoor track is interfering with uh, spring ball when you have spring practice and stuff like that. So uh, the positive of doing the other sport is track gets you out of some of the conditioning for spring ball. You don't yeah. have to do that. So you, you go to the practice and stuff, but –
0: yeah. Did your did your coaches care?
1: No, because I think if you're doing good at both, I don't think they can be mad. In my opinion, you know, like if if you're excelling at both, you know, why not? If you were not doing good and I was a coach, I would be kind of like that's kind of a waste of time. Yeah. In a sense, but I think the people who were doing it were all doing well enough where I think it made sense.
0: So I got excited about trying to do Two sports of mine would have been football and basketball. Absolutely. So the football coach was pumped, right? Cause he was like, oh man, you know, and he was kind of talking to me a little bit on the side and saying, Hey, we could bring you in, and maybe what we could do is is take over kind of half of your scholarship. So basketball would be half, because I was on a full ride there. Mm-hmm. So they would be half and football would be half. My coach didn't a basketball coach did not approve no of that he was not okay with that and I was it was one of those things where it was kind of disappointing because it would have only been my junior and senior year of college oh sure so I I was kind of at a point where I was like hey this would be fun to get in and just kind of see what I could do whatever and you always kind of have it in the back of your head like I love basketball don't get me wrong but it was like what what could i do with football but the door just never opened and of course i was not willing to give up my basketball and my scholarship and everything to be like hey i'm going to go try to play football now you know i mean when you got your school taking care of everything's done it would not be very smart so yeah. it's interesting that that the coaches didn't have a problem but i guess for the football coach that's probably the higher risk activity anyway yes. so it's like all right if you're going to do track what are you really doing? You're lifting, you're throwing. Exactly. It's not really a problem.
1: You're actually going to be more active than the other guys. Cause you're, you're nonstop training.
0: Yeah. So which one did you enjoy more?
1: Um, I did, I did truly fall in love. Like wish uh shop and discus more. Um, because then after I was competing, I went right into coaching there at the university. Shot put and discus, a hammer throw,
0: kind of like like a graduate assistant type deal, or um, so I started
1: to uh, do the graduate assistant. But then it, it turned into like I started doing strongman. Strongman by then, and it was too much, um, so I went right into just coaching, um, working part time, and then full like full time training strongman.
0: Gotcha. So when when did the strongman? I mean, is that something that you thought about while you while you were in college and while you were playing, or so, but, or how were you introduced to it? I guess I should yeah, say. Yeah.
1: So that the first year after college, <clears throat> I went right into coaching, and then I seen a local contest in the paper that they had just finished on the front of the paper, guy pulling a semi, and I had right? watched World's Strongest Man as a kid, like everyone. Okay. But I was like, this is here, this is local, this is you know, this is something I could do. And I'm like, how, how do I do this? How do I get involved or even get started? I guess is the best way to say it. How do you get started? And nothing like this would ever happen in any other sport in my opinion. I reached out to the best guy locally, and at the time was Dave Austin, who had just got third at World's Strongest Man.
0: In 2008, So yeah, you're taking
1: yep. the third strongest person in the world, sending them an email, and they respond? And was like, yeah, man, if you want to come up and train, I mean, I had explained like, Hey, I'm not just like a regular dude. Like I, I, I you I've, know, I've done, worked. yeah, I I've can, I've competed in college. I'm coach at the university. Like I'm well educated in this stuff. I'm not just going to come up there and uh, I just want to meet you, you know, type of thing. I actually, I actually want to train and get into this. And so he, he said, yeah, man, come up. And that, from there it
0: started. And where, where was he at that time? He was at his training out of his house, right? Yeah out of his so garage?
1: the the house that you came to the last time. Yep. So big 3 car garage. So did
0: you ever go to the other his other place?
1: Nope. Uh, only the house he's at now is the only one I've ever been to.
0: Okay. So I w- I went to the the one before and that that was cool cuz it was kind of like a detached garage set up and and uh that was fun, man. It was fun. We did um did some training there, you know, in the street and and uh like outside his garage and that was I think the first time that I had done a uh, inch dumbbell and a blob. Okay. One in each hand that yeah. I did a carry down, like down the driveway and then back or something like that. Yes, I've seen so, that video. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool, man. But we had some good times up there. So Dave, Dave's a great guy. Uh, and, I mean, I feel like I've said that before, probably not on the podcast, but him and I kind of hit it off once I got into the sport and met him. And, you know, we trained together quite a few times, actually, like throughout throughout my career and his career, so because at the
1: time he was the guy he had so much of the equipment and that was the biggest thing is what people don't understand in today's world you can get equipment but dave would go and he would get measurements and get things made and have this and that that no one else had so he could actually train the events and that was so important to him and he was kind of a one of the pioneers i guess at least in my opinion, of having that equipment and being more precise about stuff. Yeah, so, so you could
0: actually actually prepare for the events. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because
1: yeah. a lot of times, you know, even starting strong, you would just show up and see what happens.
0: Right. <laughs> you haven't haven't trained for it. Yeah, you just jump in from training in a normal gym and then jump into the event. So that's cool, man. So you met Dave, got in the door there, and then started training with him at his place.
1: Yeah, so first time I show up, and this little guy is just kicking my butt in the tire flip. Like I'm thinking, like, you know, I should be shouldn't all right. Shouldn't be that hard. I shouldn't yet. be that hard. <laughs> and he's just whooping me, and I'm struggling and frustrated. And
0: how heavy of a tire do you remember? Uh,
1: 780. So like, uh, uh, like almost eight hundred pounds tire, which now is is nothing. But at the time, this is 2009. So it's it's an okay, a very good amateur tire. Absolutely.
0: What what kind of body weight? Were you at when you tried to start?
1: So started probably two seventy ish. Okay. That, okay. That, yeah, because it was a big deal for me to get up to three hundred.
0: So you had to work hard to get there. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: So the the fun part about Dave is um he he really motivated me by the our second training session. We went and did stones. And so did we, you go to the boiler room? So I went to the boiler room. Okay. And uh I show up with Jack Tack. I have no idea that Dave makes tacky. I have no idea. So this stuff is like <laughs> that's ma- awesome. maple syrup.
0: Right? Yeah, Jack Tack was anybody that's familiar with Jack Tack is it's it's a, a a very low level of tacky, basically. But it was kind of what you had access to. You you know, Dave was a, a pioneer with tacky for sure, and making it better. And and um, you know, I mean, it's what I wore throughout my entire career is elite tacky. You know, I mean, we still sell it on the website here. I still get it from Dave and it's still, in my opinion, still the best. So, you know, when you, when you have it all on the line and you know, it's in my mind, a lot of the top guys still do choose to wear elite tacky in the, in the contest. And and that says a lot when you have so much on the line now, you have to stick, it needs to work. You know, that's, that's the, the, that's kind of like the, you can talk about different types of tacky or whatever, but, but elite is, is amazing i guess that my little plug for that but yeah you know it's 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 interesting that you went to a boy the boy so the boiler room was where dave trained stone so it's down underneath uh apartment apartment complex. apartment complex and so you go down in this room and how he got everything down there
1: um no i don't know i don't get. It. i
0: don't i have no idea because like,
1: there's a 500 pound stone down there
0: yeah and yeah. It's probably still it has it, to still it's be down there. Together. Yeah, yeah. Because yes. <laughs> you're not getting that out unless you break it or because the stairs are not big. No, going down there. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so we 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 do my first stone training. How was that? And it was terrible. So I I I watch Dave. I'm just gonna do whatever he's doing. Right. He yeah. doesn't put no sleeves on, no tape on his forearms. So I do the same. Just go straight tacky to the forearm. And by the end of it, my forearms are just screaming red, like stone burns, like concrete burns, just beat up, right? And I'm like, okay, well, th- this sucks, but whatever, this is just part of the deal. We get back in the truck. We're heading back to his house, and he's like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go uh, MC this contest, this uh, pro am type contest. There's just two pro guys, local pro guys, and a bunch of amateurs doing like a little tiny pro am. Um, you should come watch it. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'll I'll, I'll drive down. I was, like, I, I was living in the college town, so I drove back there, and it was like an hour away. And he's like, you know what? It's like, why don't you just compete?
0: So how much? How long had you trained?
1: So this is second day of training. Uh, within like <laughs> seven days. Okay. And he's like, you should just do the contest. It, what am I going to say to Dave? Oh no, like you know,
0: I you're going to step up and do I'm just like, it. all yeah. right,
1: well, this is Dave Austin. Like he just got third at Worlds. So like absolutely, man. Like all right, let's do it. So I, I show up and I do way better than I think. Uh, the top two pro guys, they get first and second. Then there's one amateur. And then I got fourth out of like 10 or 12.
0: Okay. So, so not bad.
1: No. And, and it helped that there were some moving events because I had just finished training at the college. So my conditioning's good. Yeah. My mobility's great. My explosion's good. It was just like tough things like cleaning the heavy log was hard because I yeah. wasn't used to that. I'm trying to power clean it.
0: Um, so technique wise, you're technique be behind wise, for just sure.
1: raw. I'm sure I look just yeah. awkward out there. But um, I, then I think he he saw that, and I think I proved to him like, hey, you know, this guy's this guy's going to train. And so from there, we started training two, three times a week, as much as I would drive up to his house uh, about an hour, hour fifteen drive, one you know, way. What? Yeah, one way. Okay, yeah. okay. And so driving a lot, and that's where like the whole. Doing the grad school thing wasn't gonna work, mm. uh, and my mind was just—I was—I was bit man. I was fixated on this. Sure, and this is all I wanted to think about and do.
0: Of course. Yeah, so yeah. once once you get in like that and you get excited, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough to ha- have other things, and you have to prioritize what's important. And and a lot of people don't understand that, and and you know the commitment level too, to drive that far. So an hour and fifteen. So now you're talking about a, a round trip of two and a half hours mm-hmm. to make it happen, plus the time to train. So it's a significant commitment, big time.
1: Well, and think you're young. You don't have a great job. You're spending all this money on gas. Yes. And now you're eating more and all this other stuff. So, yeah, I mean it. It, it, it consumed me, um, and everything I did was just to to fund it, pretty much.
0: Sure. You know? So you're pouring you're pouring it back in. Absolutely, but having a resource like somebody like Dave would be really good. Priceless. But yeah,
1: I, I couldn't. I mean, have all the equipment, the knowledge. Yeah. Um, the the coolest thing is Dave never asked me for a dollar for training. Never asked me for anything. Yeah, it's just he just kind of took me under his wing, and so I try to duplicate that with people too. Is like helping people. Yeah, because he he easily could have. Yeah. I mean he's one of the best in the world at the time. And to just be like, Oh yeah, come over train. Nobody how cares. many how many
0: people did he have coming to train consistently?
1: Two, two to three other guys. And that's that's the thing, and you probably understand it is I would say, and I talked to Dave about this about a lot, is eighty to ninety percent of the time it's just me and him.
0: Yeah. Because even, guys, back, even, even back even back then. then. Yeah.
1: Because people couldn't cut it, man. They come one workout and get destroyed.
0: I don't want to do it. It's not fun. Yeah. It takes a different person is what I would say to get bit like that, where you're so excited and and you love it and you, and your pain tolerance is high and you get beat up. And the next thing you're thinking about is, all right, I want to go do it again. Mm -hmm. So it's different. It's different. And I'm sure if, if I could guess, and obviously Dave isn't here to answer this, but what I would say is he probably saw that in you and maybe the contest jumping Head first into it was a test for you and you passed that test Yeah, and then you showed up and then you came back. And so you would find out very quickly, just like I would, if I had somebody come, you find out very quickly what they're all about and what they're made of. And to have somebody in your corner and willing to go through that, willing to push and be there. It's as much of a resource at that time. I'm sure for Dave, as it was for you, right? And you probably didn't understand that back then or see that, no. but in hindsight now, I think it probably makes a little bit more sense where he's got this guy come in and it's hungry, that's motivated. It's, it's going to make him better. It's going to help him to train harder and to push through a little bit harder when you're there. And especially if you'll show up consistently now that's, that's next level because good, good training partners are so incredibly difficult to find crazy hard to find. Mm-hmm. And that's, for me throughout my career, I would say that same thing. I mean, if I had somebody and I did, I did have a, a couple different people that would show up like that, that were consistent, that were all the time. You never had to think about picking up your phone and saying, Hey, I'm not going to make it or I'm, I'm not coming or whatever. There was no excuses. It was just like, Hey, it's time to train. You're going to be there. I know I'm going to be there and let's do it. And so if you have that in your corner, man, things are good. Right, it's hard to find though. Incredibly hard to find.
1: Yeah, yeah. And now, that you say it, it, it was probably so important because training by yourself at that level, crazy hard.
0: It's it's tough, man. And I've I've kind of gone through all the phases now, and you know, gone from having a little bit bigger group where that was amazing because you had that group where everybody was showing up, everybody was consistent, everybody was motivating, and the energy would just go up. So if you even if you had a bad day. And you're like, man, I'm a little bit tired. I'm a little bit off. You'd walk in and, and other guys are bringing it, so you have to bring it. Mm-hmm. And then the level goes up, so you always get better. So when you're by yourself, it can it can be good if you're self-motivated, but even for the most motivated individuals, it is hard consistently when you're training by yourself to pick it up. So even if you have one other person, and that's what I always said, is 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 if I could have one good training partner, that was consistent. I would take that over a group of ten that wasn't that good or wasn't. Uh, if you have that big of a group, sometimes there's the side things that are going on and everybody's not quite that focused. So a smaller group and or even one can make a world of difference.
1: And it worked out well because we we uh, we eventually once I got to a higher level and started doing pro shows and stuff like that, we were doing a lot of similar shows. So we were training the same stuff. We're hitting, you know, we're essentially doing the same workouts. And now certain events I might be better at. So now it's pushing him because, um, and I think he admit, like at times like his pressing was one of his weaker events. And so I was at certain events. I was very good at the pressing, mm. a Viking press, uh, even the circus dumbbell pushing him to go. And he needs that in, yes. p- in training. Yeah. You know, and how
0: long a- did it take you to get from where you started to get to that level?
1: All right. So my first contest, 2009 and then I qualify for nationals and at that time. There's only one strongman organization, and so this is going to be, that qualifies you, the top 15 at Nationals qualifies you for the Arnold Amateur. It'll be the second year of the Arnold Amateur. Winner of that goes to the Arnold Pro. So I show up to the Arnold Amateur, and there's, like, just a crazy amount of competitors, and I go to the rules meeting, and I'm blown away because it's an amateur contest, but there's Thor who's been doing, like, Giants Live-type shows, uh, Mateus Barone, all these top level guys from other countries because they don't necessarily have a pro system to get in, to get in. Yeah. And so, cause at the time I think we're the only country with an amateur system, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of where it started from there. And then I started doing, Dave would do some like pro am stuff at his place, some smaller stuff and I would do well there. And then Chad Coy of all people needed, Um, he was just doing a small expo at, in his city. And I got to go there and met Chad. Chad had a few weeks later had to pull out of North America's strongest man
0: in Canada. In Canada.
1: Yep. And he was like, Hey, well, I got this guy who just came to my show, super strong kid up and coming. And so I got into there with Hugo Girard.
0: Yes. And so
1: that's what all started for me because I was happy. And a lot of people won't like this, but then I just kind of went around the system that they had in America, only in America, and went more off like a Jerry pritchett type type route. Where I don't, I don't. If I don't need you, yeah. why am I going to give you, you know, money, all this other stuff? Do your stuff when I can go to a contest and make money.
0: Yeah. Well, if you can get if you can get those invites and go do it, it it's an open door. Yeah. You know. So so, I met you in 2009 yes so i went out to train with dave before world's strongest man in 2009 Mm -hmm. and it was me and dave and kevin Kevin me. yep uh and so we had set up like this training and i think i think the first day i met you was at the truck pole
1: yep so my hometown i had a buddy that uh his family owned a construction company and so he brought out a big dumb truck with a trailer and on the trailer, he's got a bobcat, and then like some kind of like big hopper for like mixing stuff. Right? It was ridiculous. Yeah. And and so I don't I don't know the exact weight, um, but we found a great course, very secluded little area. Yeah. Uh, no one came watch us. My family came and watched, and that was the start of experiencing real heavy weights.
0: For for you. For me, okay. Is when
1: we is when you guys came out and Dave's training. For uh, 2009 World Strongest Man, Yep. and so because I had just started then, so to, to backtrack a little bit, I had just started showing up with Dave, and then you guys show up, and the real weights had came out.
0: Yes, oh yeah, yeah, it was that was fun, man. It was a lot of fun because we we went through and that that truck pull. I remember that truck pull being being really good. Mm-hmm. It was a really good, really good course, really good weight, heavy you know how how you how should it's supposed to be how it's uh, how a real truck pull is supposed to be yes
1: i know you finished it uh me the other guy that was there and then kevin couldn't finish kevin it didn't hit, yeah. i believe dave did but like i think dave like went maximum like, yeah like was completely gassed after like it was the real deal yeah but what was your truck pull like that year at world service man i can't remember
0: because I know. So, 2008 was, and obviously this is prior, was really tough in the qualifiers. Mm-hmm. They did a, it was kind of a dump truck. It Was it filled with coal? With coal, uh, and it was heavy. It mm-hmm. was really heavy, hard. Some guys had a hard time starting it Yeah, uh, in 2008 in the qualifiers. And then uh, 2008 in the finals was the Hercules C-130 transport plane, the big. And they tested that. You tested it? I right? tested it, yeah. So... That was that was an interesting one because I went out to test it, um, and then I was actually like the alternate for the final mm-hmm. in two because I didn't make the final in two thousand eight, my first year. So we were getting we had kind of uh, um, the the qualifier wrap up party they they used to do that, which that that does not happen at all now. Uh, it used to be kind of fun because all the guys that didn't make the finals got to hang out and you know some of the guys that made the finals would come and then they would typically leave a little bit sooner and so I had definitely stayed up later than I should have and, and uh, I was going down this first day of the finals and I'm just watching because nobody had pulled out and uh, they asked me to get my truck pull shoes and test the plane that morning and I was like I didn't have a good breakfast I I stayed up late and I'm like well whatever I'll but you're it. new,
1: you can't oh, say no, right? No, no,
0: no. I'm out there. I'm doing it, man. Yeah. But then the thing is, too, is the crowd had came. The crowd had had already showed up, and they're like, all right, we got to test this thing one more time to make it, make sure it's correct, because the plane, they were messing with the, the inflation of the tires mm-hmm. and the course and everything you should do Absolutely. to have a good truck pull. And so I said, well, all right. So I went out there and, and um, you know, pulled the whole thing. And it, I was not in in a good spot to do that, but I did it right because you you take the opportunity, and uh, it it was uh, it was it was awesome to do it in front of the crowd and and all that. And I think my time would have actually been okay in the final, like compared to the guys because they all, yeah. of course, I could compare it because they went right after me. But uh, you know, obviously disappointing to not make the final, but it was neat to have that opportunity. In two thousand nine, we did a. Um, a plane in the final that year okay uh so it was a smaller plane you know kind of like just like a commercial
1: mm-hmm.
0: plane but uh um it was it was okay it wasn't it wasn't super tough uh to pull like that pull that we did in training was harder mm-hmm. than it which of course you want to prepare and be ready but I was ready for whatever with the truck pull in in 2009 so that was uh that was good man it was um we had a, a really limited time uh, in 2009 to get it done because the plane had to leave so i remember they were really pushing hard and there was uh um gotta have all these stories of like the, the the plane pulls but the rain there was a rainstorm that came in while we were doing the pull and you could see it coming and i'm i'm like two out and i'm like all right come on let, let's go and then of course the rain comes starts right right before i'm gonna go i'm walking out there and i'm, I'm asking i'm like hey can we wait a little bit because it it had kind of been a a situation where the rain would come, then it would, it would was real quick, and then it would clear out and then the sun would come out and it was all dry. And they're like, nope, we have no time to wait. It's just your luck of the draw. You have to go. And I was like, oh man, this is so I I did it. I and luckily I didn't fall down or didn't slip, you know, too bad or whatever. But it dried up like it was it was like the rain had just selected me for that that time and it just happened to come right right when I was and then after that it was maybe a little wet for the next guy and then dry completely dry and I was like okay you know my first final of course this happens but you know you have to be prepared for whatever situation and just go out and and go for it you know um so that was that was an interesting one but I was definitely ready for the pole in 2009 but that training was it was fun up there, man. It was fun. Like you set that up and David set up all this different stuff. Like we went down to the, the, this beach sand area to yep. do, do a loading race in yep. the sand. And we had to carry the kegs and all of that down the whole beach. And it was almost harder to get it down there to, to set up, to up the train course. It was crazy, but you know, that was, it was fun, man. Cause you're prepping for a big event and you have this group and it, it's training to make each other better. Of course, but you're pushing that level, right? So it was that was fun. It was a lot of fun. I had a really good time with it.
1: Yeah, no, and and Dave is he's so quiet in a sense, but he had it all planned perfect. Yes, and so and that is so important for you guys showing up and having all that stuff ready, and and it showed in your training because mm-hmm. you show up and you go from not making finals now you're third.
0: Yeah, that was the final was. That was, that was a big one, man, like for me, because it was, you know, 2009, I would say that actually that year for me, I had won the Fit Expo, which we were told was a qualifier to get in the Arnold, mm-hmm. and then that got kind of pulled away from me, so I was not, I did not earn my spot to the Arnold by winning the Fit Expo, even though we were told that at the start of the contest, which kind of wasn't great, and then Fortissimus was the big one, actually, so I got invited to compete in fortissimus in 2009 and i had got third there and then i remember going into world's strongest man in in 2009 the big talk was that Zdrinis was coming back because he actually didn't compete in 2008 because the ifsa split yep and then Pujanowski uh coming in obviously you know returning champ and and how was this going to play out between those two and then Derek poundstone actually was right in that mix too so, I remember reading all these articles about how it was this three-horse race, which frustrated me. I'm sure it frustrated Dave, too, because coming off of 2008, he was third. So, you know, he was coming in, like, obviously wanting to improve on that as well. Absolutely. So, the level, I think the level with the training uh, definitely, you know, paid off for me. And, you know, going into it, you have to prep hard uh, to be ready for that. But it, w- it was neat, man. It was neat to prove that I was capable, and to come out of Fortissimus third, and then World Strongest Man third in 2009, and then you know, ar- arguably, I guess in hindsight, the best, maybe the best podium ever at World Strongest Man with uh, you know Zdrunas and Marius and myself mm-hmm. there, which was neat. And you don't know it at the time, right? Because it's kind of like this, no. this uh, um, you know, you're getting your feet wet. But that really, I think, at that time, that solidified going against because that was a good final top to bottom the uh,
1: that's you know? one of the, to my my opinion that's probably one of the most stacked
0: it was stacked finals. up it if, was stacked if you can
1: up. look at what all those people have done throughout their career
0: total accomplishments, total accomplishments
1: all yeah. those guys in there
0: unbelievable yeah it was fun man it's and that was it was a neat setting too like the backdrop in malta was was really cool and um yeah, there's a few moments like I remember from that contest that you know you don't you won't want to forget. But I learned a lot there as well, you know just just about competing and making the final. And in world's strongest man is was incredibly difficult to what it is now. So it's it's a lot longer. It was a lot longer contest, mm-hmm. and then there was seven events in the final that year, um, which you know you know my opinion on that. We should have more events anyway. But uh, yeah, just. Just keeping some gas in the tank, you know, toward the end. Because it was it was hard. The last couple of days of the final were hard for me. Because I had wasted so much energy in the qualifier that I probably didn't need to. But so, at the time, you didn't know. No, no. Yeah, yeah, you didn't know. So that's good memories, man. It's good memories. So that was your first kind of get your feet wet with.
1: Real taste of like what Strongman is. Like you see it. And you're like, oh, I could maybe do that. Like this yeah. was like holy buckets. Like. I got to turn things up, like, yes. But but I, I want to do it. Yeah. So that's it was it was so motivating, you know. But it was also like a wake up, like all right, you got to get more serious about this. And that's where, like I said, like I I couldn't do like school at the time. Like I was like I was just bit man. I had yes. to do it,
0: which is awesome. It's awesome. So you you kept training with Dave, and then. Your first time, it was like the North America's Strongest Man. Yeah, so Your I, got, big...
1: I got into there, and then from there, uh, you know, then. And that was in 2010, 10. 10 or 11-ish. Did I yeah. compete in that one?
0: No, I, no. I
1: didn't compete. You, from my knowledge, I don't think you came up there till 2014 or 15. Because
0: I had, I had tied with uh, Jess and Pollen in 2008 or 9, 8 or 9.
1: okay. So yeah, you went up there way before me.
0: Yeah, but probably yes. And then then I, for whatever reason, I didn't go back for. I, I think it was kind of a, a conflicting date with. It might have been conflicting with World's Strongest Man. I can't remember what it was, but I think I went back in what fourteen? Is that right? Because you were there,
1: fourteen or fifteen? Was it? Might
0: I think it was fourteen? That might have been the last year that it happened, or one of one of them.
1: Fourteen or fifteen?
0: I should. Yeah, yeah. we're we It all blends together a little bit, but. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was 14. I'm pretty sure. That it was sounds 40.
1: right. Because uh, funny story, I remember you came down to my hotel room, and I'm watching World's Strongest Man on TV. Yeah, and it's the finals, and it was so you had one in 13, yeah. and so 13 was playing. In does that sound right? I, I want to say it was maybe 15. You just had one in 15. It was on TV. Okay, and then we were. You came in, and you're on TV winning it. <laughs> And I was like, "This is just so ironic." Yeah, right? yeah. Like,
0: it was a crazy. Yeah event. that that was a good contest up there, man. When it when it happened, like it you was, said, it was it's me.
1: hard, it's heavy, and it's a lot of events. Yeah, We're, yeah. We, I want to say we do nine events over three days.
0: Yeah, something so. like that. Yeah, they and the the crowd was crazy. It was so the, the like fans it, up there are awesome. Yeah, in them. Canada, it's great, really, really good. So, so that was how many years did you do that, or how many years do you compete in strongman?
1: so 2009 to 2015 i think that was one of my last shows w- was with you i believe because um, then J- july 2015 i had back surgery like it was like things just weren't going right like putting on socks getting up walking like
0: did that come on was it was it an injury or was it did it come on gradually
1: So I think, I think I like, you know, herniated a disc in high school. Okay. And then from there, it just is like, I got stronger and it kind of like masked it. But then as the weights just got crazier and heavier, it started to show itself again. Okay. And got worse and worse. And I just think the yokes were, as you know, we're just getting heavier and heavier. Mm. Um, I remember going up to Canada and we we have a max yoke. Yes. And you know, it's, it's like 20 feet, which don't sound far.
0: But but with the big weight it is for with yeah. the
1: big weight yeah. you know and this is this is 2011 and so we're doing 1100 some pounds and at the time that's a big weight yes and so and I think that just started to pile up and my back was like I can't do it
0: yeah so you 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 had back surgery though
1: so yeah 2015 it it was so bad they they call it like a disectomy and they they cut up part of the bone that goes around the nerve to free up that space. So that nerve is inflamed, right? So it's enlarged. Yep. And it doesn't have room to breathe per se. So they take out part of that uh, disc and then just kind of clean up everything. And it essentially buys you time because your your body's going to uh, heal heal in a sense, but that bone's gonna grow back, yep. right? Because your body's smart. It's like, hey, well that's missing, so it it's gonna fix it. So it buys you time. And what I learned the stuff I needed to do after, or the things that it aggravated it. Um, I learned my legs, my back, everything was so strong, but my glutes were weak. And so I think my back was doing so much work, getting overloaded because my glutes were weak. I would squat low. I would, you know, when bending over for strongman, a lot of back and yep, not hitting yep. enough glutes. Where now we know we have all these different machines for glutes: the reverse hyper, the back attacks, different stuff like that. Yeah, that hit the glutes, and I think that was. It just, over time, it just, it gave out because of a weakness.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. So how was it, how was it recovering from that?
1: I started off good, but then it was learning like, hey, I can't do that exercise. Like if I would do like a regular leg press, like how uh, you guys do the contest where my legs come back and open up my spine Mm -hmm. and then push it and close it, like that was not good. So I couldn't do that. Interesting. Um,
0: did you, when you had the backstory, Drew, were were, was your goal to, to recover from that and come back and try to do more competing or were you like, Hey, I'm good. I don't want to, I don't want to compete anymore.
1: Yeah. So in my, in my head, I thought 100% coming back. Like I, you know, this is gonna be the fix in a sense. And I'm going to get back to training. at the time. I was still strong, man. Like I would still go to the gym and press great numbers. Yeah. And then it was just every week I was trying to slowly build up, like real slow build up the deadlift, like start at a higher height and then slowly work my way back down. Like I was, I was legit doing it smart. It's just certain things would just, and and I wouldn't know until the next morning I wake up and then like, I couldn't put on my socks. That's interesting. So
0: it wouldn't hurt during.
1: In in the moment, not really. No. No. Okay, but I think it would it would aggravate it and then it would just get more and more inflamed makes as, sense as it go. And then I think being um, laying down for too long, you know, if you sleep, you know for that and then just not motion not moving, no blood flow really. yeah, and it would just get more agitated.
0: Yeah. so so at some point, did you yeah. have to say, hey, this isn't working trying to come back? And so, then you're done with
1: it. So that's when I realized, like, bending over, picking up stuff, like even now, just bending over, it doesn't necessarily hurt. It's more so the range of motion, the flexibility. Um, also, the next day I want to be able to put on socks and yeah, do stuff, get to of work. Course. Otherwise, like, it, it's just, and, and your attitude's affected by it so much. When yeah. you're in pain and you can't move. And so, like, I wasn't fun to be around when it wasn't good.
0: Yeah, well, it's, it's frustrating mm-hmm. because you wanted, you wanted to do something and you had goals. I'm, I'm guessing that to, to come back and you're working hard for it. And then, you know, to wake up and be in kind of constant pain where you go and train and put the work in and then you wake up in more pain that would, that would play with your head and, and mentally you're wanting to put the work in, but then it's, it's giving you this feedback where it's, it's just constantly not good so at a certain point you have to listen mm. to what's there and what your body's telling you
1: yeah so then it w- it was it came to realization like what now what can you do like your 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 brain your heart is invested in this but how do I stay involved how do I keep doing this without kind of still doing this mm. um just because it strong man wasn't something like Hey, I'm going to do this for a little bit and that's it. Like at no point that wasn't how my brain was going to like go into this. Like it was all in like a long thing. So it was like, how do I stay involved? And so it was, it came to, you know, starting to put on contest and doing grip stuff and grip stuff was like something we would just do at the end of the training. And then social media comes around. And so I just do little tricks here and there at the end of workouts. Like, Everyone thinks like, oh, what do you train for grip? It's like, I just do a video at the end, man. I just think of something up. Yeah. And and, try it. And so that starts sticking. So that would motivate me too, because I'm going to go and train. And now let's, let's figure out some things we can do. Let's try some different feats of strength. Let's put on contests. Let's start doing a little bit of training. Let's, let's stay involved as much as we can without actually being a competitor.
0: Which makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. So it kind of, you get to scratch that itch, so to speak.
1: Absolutely. You're, you're still involved. You're still helping the sports and you're still helping people.
0: Yeah. So, so the grip took off from there. So you, you, I'm guessing you put out a video or two and, and people liked it and it was interactive and you got a lot of feedback. And then from there, it's something, cause I know Dave and he had all the, all the grip mm-hmm. tools around and, you know, a blob at inch dumbbell and, you know, things like that, that you can mess around with. So I'm sure you got, got exposure to those things with him. And then, you know, from there, it's just taken off and building it up. So did you start with, at the beginning when you did those things, how hard was it for you to pick up an inch dumbbell or to pick up the blob? Was that something you could do out of the gate or was it something you had to work for?
1: All that stuff I could do right away.
0: So when you walked in there the first time, like, out of getting done Hey, try this. You could do it. Do it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: And, and there's a lot, I think there's a lot of guys like that in strong because you're what they don't understand. And I try to explain to people is like, do you want to help your grip? Like, so much a strongman, man. You do like arm over arm with the rope. You do farmers. You do a farmer's hold. You do any kind of static hold. Yep. You know, getting ready for that stuff. I think a big thing is sandbags, like grabbing that yes. extra material and having to squeeze that on objects, picking up different stuff. Like, you're you're using it without even knowing you're using it.
0: Yes. So you build it you build it up through the training.
1: Built it up big time through all the training without even knowing it.
0: Yeah. So you just kind of expanded on that now. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's I'm I'm guessing it's still fun for you to think up different things to do and you'll text me about, "Hey, look at this or try mm-hmm. this or" whatever and it's always you you know now it's been like the plate flip and catch and you know now it's kind of expanding on that and making it a little bit harder so it's kind of seemed to progress from level 1 to level 2 to level 3 and see see what you can do right
1: yeah and so a part of it too is me learning more about different history of different things learning about different plates finding out about different plates old plates and seeing what people have done with those and trying to mimic it or improve on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, take it take it up a level. So, what it, what is your favorite favorite grip feat or or type of grip strength?
1: I would say 100% I excel at like hub hub picking up. Picking up plates by the hub okay. is my number one thing. Um then for some of the thick bar stuff, for some of the thicker stuff handled like the dumbbells, I struggle with just hand, like finger length. I don't have it. Or like the bigger blobs, I don't have it. I feel like for some of them, I would have the strength. Like I feel like for sure I could do a uh, like a blobzilla. Okay. But it, it's just limited by the finger strength or the finger length.
0: So for people that don't know it and are listening as we're talking about this, the hub, if you look at a 45-pound plate, it's the center where it would slide onto the bar. So that's, that's the hub. So you'd put it face up. And then just grab that center part to pick the plate up. And then Blobzilla is half of a 130-pound uh, York Legacy dumbbell. Mm-hmm. So you cut cut the end off, and then try to pick up just that that chunk of of metal, basically the end. So um, a big grip feat. There's a, there's a very limited number of people that have done that, and and um, you know you've seen me do it uh, in the gym with the grip blob series and that type of thing. So the um, the expansion though with grip and, and thinking about what's possible, I think is what's always been fun, mm-hmm. right? Because it's something where there are a lot of different implements that you can mess around with. And then like, for example, with the hub lifting, uh, you, if you want to take it up, it's, it's getting to that level. And then you want to put some plates on the hub and see how heavy you can go. Or like you're doing with the flip and catch uh, picking it up, putting it above your head in one motion, like things like this. Uh, it's it's fun as we start messing around. It's it's kind of a game of can you top this?
1: What I think people are intrigued by it is they can go to the gym and try it. Mm. They don't need a grip implement. They have every, – every gym has plates. They necessarily don't might not have the ones I have or you have, yeah. but they can usually find some kind of hub plate and put their fingers on it and feel it and be like – Okay, like that's that's the real deal. Like that's yes. not easy.
0: Yeah, like pinching 10-pound plates or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could start with that or 25s and, you know, big grip feet is being able to do the 45s, especially like a York. And we talk a lot about it and, you know, the strength history. So the York York barbell in general has a lot of history to it. So a lot of the grip feeds, for me at least, I get excited about that because I love old York um, you know, equipment and and you know, obviously like the dumbbells and plates and bars and all the stuff from them is fun, right? And I I like that. Some of the younger guys may not understand that quite as much, but it's exposing them to it, right? So the type of plate that some of these grip feats are done with is a big deal. So it's not necessarily apples to apples. It's like it's a forty five pound plate, but how is the hub? How big is the hub? How shallow is the hub? And, you know, we were messing around actually yesterday in the gym. And Joel, when he came out, uh, found some really cool Jack LaLanne plates, uh, which are 50-pound plates, which is kind of cool. It's different than, uh, you know, obviously now you find 45s, 20-kilo plates or 45-pound plates uh, if you're in the States. And those are much more common. So a 50-pound plate is rare and it's old. And we threw them on the scale uh, yesterday and they're almost five pounds different. Which was crazy. And then the hub size as well from plate to plate. There's two plates, but you know, they're five pounds different and the hub is different. So each plate is is unique. And even with the York plates, same thing. The hub can be different, feel different, have a little bit different angle or size. Texture. Yeah. And so all of this comes into play with grip and, and uh you know it's it's very unique in that in that aspect.
1: Oh yeah. What what's so cool about it is I'll have all these different plates or different size blobs that people can try. Yes. So everyone gets a shot at it. You know, it's not just me lifting this big weight or you lifting this big weight. Like everyone can try and see what they can get to, Mm. you know? So it it makes it uh, more interactive for everyone.
0: Yes. And you can scale, you can scale it up. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously we're talking, we're talking about the top level grip feet. It's kind of like the gold standard, if you will, of, Mm -hmm. of being able to do this, but you can scale it down. And there's always something a little bit smaller, a little bit easier to kind of work your way up. And then you can, you can get into it that way. But the one thing that I found, and I've been around at different expos or events where there's been grip involved, people love it. And it's something that's very addicting because you think you can lift something. And especially if it's not super big or imposing, a lot of people think they should be able to do it. And so they'll try and then they'll want to try again. And they'll keep going. And they'll keep going. And so it is it is fun in that capacity because even a normal person, maybe they're not a, a avid gym goer or something like that, but they like to try. And they, they worst case, hey, I'll throw a little bit of chocolate and I'll just see how it is. And then they then, if nothing else, they get a understanding of of, of how difficult things are. Mm-hmm. And it's neat. And and we got to see this uh at at the um, Shaw Classic, where people got to come out of the crowd during the grip feats mm-hmm. and try and 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 give it a go, right? Like just see see what it is. And I think we could probably expand on that, you know, in the future to to maybe put something at the Expo as well, so more people could get their hands on it and maybe have some type of grip series or something, you know, where people like to try, man, you know. But that was cool. It's fun to see normal people try. And then you have the the experts come out, the guys that are competing, and go to the next level, and everybody kind of gets a perspective of what's possible. And people have asked about, even in the strongman contest, to kind of have a average man come out and try something to get a perspective. And in the strongman, that's not really quite as feasible because the weights are so big that what are you going to have somebody come out and just not move something? Yeah. It's, it's not really the same, but they used to do that on the history channel show. When, when we would do something is they always, we would always call it the average man. And it was just one of the oh, guys yes. from the crew and he would come out and it was like, Hey, you know, Ian was his name, but come out, give it a try. And normally he couldn't do anything with it. And then it was like, okay, thanks. And we go back, but it at least gave the viewers or somebody watching a perspective of like, Hey, this guy's, a pretty average normal size. So number one, you get to see him next to us, you know the the size difference, and then he gets to try to lift it. We can't move it, so it's like okay, it's obviously heavy. So it's almost like our verification, but then perspective for viewers watching. So the the grip thing, having you know normal people come down and try is also a good thing, I think.
1: Oh, absolutely! Because it, the other thing is the rarity of it. Mm. Like you know, I mean, there's not many out there, and to go try it is is very uncommon so for people they would come down there and be able to try it
0: yes it's huge Yep. and that's that's the thing is i guarantee you some of those people that did try are gonna talk about that right like they got to touch it or because we were having them do an inch dumbbell for my gym yeah yours so it's like the same dumbbell that you see me lift that i've lifted now you get to try and if you can lift it it's it's just fun man right and i i wish that obviously i had to be in competition mode and back, but it'll be fun to interact with more of those people in that way, you know? Yeah. So what do you think of what's next for you, man? What's next with, uh, with, with grip? Like it's, I think it's fun for you to have that outlet. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, we haven't talked a lot about the, you know, the mental side of that, but it seems like you're the type of guy that, that if one door closes, you're going to figure out a way to open up another one, and, and go down that path. And so competing in strongman, I would imagine there had to be a period where you were, you were fighting that with your back and, and, and dealing with trying to come back, not being able to quite fully be able to do that. And, and, and almost have to hang up that, hang up that hat, right. Hang the shoes up and say, well, gosh, I can't come back to, you know, this competition that I want to, so you're dealing with that but now you found a different fun outlet with the grip and and staying involved like you said to kind of fill that cup up but what what has that transition been like and then maybe talk about like what's what's going to be next or what are you thinking about
1: yeah so that that transition that outlet that competitive thing is is always going to be there like yeah. it's not going to go away like you know um so you have to do something man like and and what i like about it so much for me is it keeps me on track with everything like I have to go work out. I have to eat this. I have to do that. Right? Um, it, it's meticulous. It's monotonous, but it keeps you kind of going and motivated. And uh, so that part I really like because it keeps me on track and it keeps my head level. And to 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 find something as good as Strongman, I'm not going to. But I think with doing some grip contests, working towards different grip feats, finding new plates. Um, that's been my biggest thing lately is like, is treasure hunting for new plates for different things, finding that stuff. That's awesome because not only is it awesome to find it, but now what can I do with it? You right. know, what is, what has anyone else done and what can I do more?
0: Yeah. Well, you, you've helped me with the, uh, the treasure hunting as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Carrie, Carrie loves it. I promise oh, she you. She loves it. <laughs> loves it. She's always like, oh, who are you talking to? Joel? Okay, what has he found yeah, now? Yeah, what's he got? Uh, you know, and, and um, if any of you guys watch the 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 dumbbell uh, video of the York the York dumbbells, Joel actually helped facilitate that, and I'm not going to say who I bought them from because I don't think he wants me to say, yeah. but I definitely appreciate them, man. They're awesome. I look at them every time I go in the gym, and they're one of my favorite, favorite things. So, um, you know, that's neat, but the, the, the older weights, man, there's something about the older weights That is super special and, and people that have an appreciation for it. It's interesting for me to have people walk in the gym that understand what, what those dumbbells are Mm -hmm. or what the weight plates are, whatever are in there. They lose their mind, right? Right. Like I would, I would be the same. Mm -hmm. So some people walk in and they have no idea and that's okay too, because the perspective is different. But you know, like like I said, I appreciate you helping me facilitate that deal. Yeah, and um, Carrie is excited. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's just I come with a new idea a lot, and she she gets on board, which I appreciate. Um, but you know, that's it's neat, man. It's such a, a neat culture and neat neat world. And the the thing that I always think is like if some of these older weights could tell the story of their history. How neat would that be to hear?
1: Yeah, where have they been? Who's lifted them? How did they get some or Some look better than others? Like, what happened? What What? What did that person use them for? What were they doing? Because at, at certain times, the earlier weights, what, what are they using for? Were they just uh, on some kind of farm equipment? Were they actually lifting them? Like, what was going on?
0: Yes. It's changed a lot, man. And that's what's so neat about it is you don't know the history, yeah. but you know where they came from or where they were made. Yeah. And then they've had this life and I like to think of, I like to think about that because I, I lift with all the stuff that I have. I just like that, so it's like I the old to. old weights, man. It, it's, it's one thing to have them just sit there and not get used, but Art. to actually actually be able to lift with them is special.
1: Yeah, man. Everything I buy, I use. I figure out how you know how I'm going to use it. Certain things, like I, I will put certain plates on like on a crash pad before when I do drop it. Just because of the rarity and then the expense of replacing it yes. is high. Yes. So and and I also have a, a, such respect for them. Like, how cool, mm. man! Like, I don't, I don't want to wreck it. Yes. You know, especially like to me, this is my first plate. You know, like for certain ones, and so I, I, I definitely baby them, but I absolutely use them as much as I can.
0: Yeah. What What so What do you think is next,
1: oh, man? I don't know there's there's some new opportunities that are arising um, that I hopefully can get involved in you know especially even even bring the shot classic into it doing more with that Mm. expanding that grip stuff with it I feel like that went over well what we can do if we turn that into more of a full contest um, or is it more of a grip feats like actual true feats that we you know search up and we say hey like do we have people try to clean the inch dumbbell and press it? Like, you know, where do we, we take it from there? And uh, expanding that more. So I think that's one really big thing that's super cool. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. what a lot of people don't understand, and, and I try to say as much as I can, is for the grip world, it's such a huge opportunity that you are allowing this because you're putting it in front of 5,000 live people, okay? And then all the people in the live stream are getting to see all this stuff. And for the most part, all, a lot of those people understand it yes. and they get it. And so it's so cool that this opportunity has arose for grip. And so that's why, like, to me, this is one of the bigger things. And to, to grow it, is it going to be a mainstream thing? No. But can it get more exposure? Can it grow? Can it get more people interested? Absolutely, man. That's what it drives me to, to do it and want to make it look so good run so smooth and just have that wow factor, you know, to put that attention to detail and, and like you say, and to treat these guys well, man, to get to, to really separate it from everything else. Because right now most grip contests are just online contests. I send in my results and then it's there.
0: Kind of see how you stack up
1: and see how you stack up. But what I don't like about it is, my equipment to someone else's is two different worlds. Like you were talking about plates. Everything is so different. Yes, it, they might be manufactured, but there's still imperfections. There's still, people can alter them. I don't know what's going on. But when you put it in a live, heavy, real grip contest and find out who legit has it versus different equipment, yep. that excites me even more.
0: Yes, and I, I would agree 100% with that. And it's neat. it's neat to see that and you're getting to go head to head with somebody in that event on the same equipment and you just get to see who's better
1: and you are able to bring in people from around the world yeah to the same venue that doesn't happen here not in grip not yeah. not even close man like the like i said the closest we get is an online contest where these guys aren't traveling. The best guys in the world aren't traveling to the one same show. All the guys. Yeah. You know.
0: Well, and that's and that's, I think, the goal. Right. It it was to scratch the surface this year, but the goal really is to, to level up. It's and and the, I think the guys that participated this year that even even that was communicated to them, like, hey, this is the first time. We're just throwing it out there. We're gonna see how it goes, mm-hmm. see what we can do, and then next year hopefully we could take a step to make it better make it more interactive whatever that looks like but it needs to come in stages yeah and the growth always has to come in stages because it needs to be sustainable and, and to be able to come back and i think that's a neat part of doing it this way is is the exposure is is really cool and i mean that's by far and away, obviously, like you said, the biggest crowd that's ever got to watch some type of grip feat go down or, or happen in person, which is neat. And then you have the people watching online that probably some of them or maybe even a majority of them have never heard of that that type of thing where it's, you know, a blob series or, you know, the thick handle dumbbells. And you can kind of tell the history and, you know, the history of the blobs, the history of the dumbbells and, and what was there and, and what, what, what we're up against and what you're trying to replicate and, and, you know, that's neat, man. It's, it's strength history in front of people's eyes unfolding. And that's, that's, what's really cool. So even if it's just one implement one thing, but the history of it and the backstory of it is neat as well. And so for somebody like me being able to lift history and compare, are you stronger? Or are you not stronger? right? That's a fun, that's a very fun thing to be able to do. And so I hope we can bring some of that to life and we can find some old school, you know, grit feats from history somehow that, that can be incorporated. And, you know, over time you build it up, man, and and have a really good time with it. So I think there's, like you said, there's a lot of excitement uh, with, with so many different things. And I have to kind of tone it down for myself because you get too excited. And then that excitement turns into costing That's the thing. <laughs> a lot, a lot of money, uh, potentially to make it happen. But you know, I think, I think people appreciate it. And, and, um, when you have the love and passion for it, it's good to bring it out and good to, good to be able to share it with the world. And, and, uh, I think people have a good time with that and they can see that as well.
1: Yeah, especially like you said, we were able to bring people down there to try it, man. Like, mm-hmm. so it, it it correlates more like, oh, wow, that is like, that's the real deal. Like these guys really, truly have some of the strongest scripts in the world.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's that's neat, man. That's neat. Well, we're, um, where can people find you and if they want to follow you and check stuff out?
1: Sure. So my, my Instagram, my TikTok, all of it is just at Joel Dirks. And so that's where my main posting is Instagram and TikTok. A lot of... lot of different grip feats little plate flips hub pickups different stuff like that but yeah
0: that's awesome man well i uh we're having fun and we're put we're gonna do some different content as well um and maybe maybe expose some more people to some grip while you're here um which will be kind of fun so uh stay tuned i'm sure you guys will probably see some of that video content coming out but uh, appreciate you man Thanks for telling the story and uh yeah, man, it'll be fun. Fun to see what you do in the future. And I'm sure you'll be challenging me to do some other grip feats as well.
1: It'll keep you motivated.
0: It will, it will. And and I have been I have been motivated after after some training we have done. So good. <laughs> Hope you all enjoyed the episode. Uh if you could do me a favor and share the episode share any of the uh podcast episodes you guys enjoy it really helps to get traction and and, uh, spread the message to everybody out there which is awesome and um hope you're all doing amazing for now go out and be great and we'll check you guys later